one letters all together, OA Connect to 55498, 55498. And just drop us a line saying, hey, would you be in agreement with me about this? Or if you want to just let us know about a situation that you're dealing with and we can pray with you about that. We would love to connect with you. And it's not saying by connecting with us that you're going to be a member or partner with us in this church. You can still be a partner with your own church, whether you're in California or you're right here in Virginia Beach. We just want to be in agreement with you in prayer. Hallelujah. So now um, let, let me let's just go ahead and get started with prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you. We praise you. We honor you. Lord, your word is quicker quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. Lord, and it discerns between the joints and marrow. And Father, it's a discerner of our thoughts and our intent. But Lord, we want to make sure that we're doing right by you and allowing your word to see us for who we really are. But Lord, not that we would be um, put down and and look down as something awful and something dirty. But Lord, you look upon us with the and you smile upon your children. So Lord, we ask that you would bless us on today. Let your word fall upon good ground. And as James says, that we would be doers of the word and not just hearers only. In Jesus name we pray. Amen. The first thing I want to say in this message is sometimes we can come out of a situation, whether it be emotional or physical, and we're feeling pretty good about ourselves. And we're thinking, you know, I'm on the back end of this and I'm I'm feeling pretty good that this is behind me. And then we'll have a conversation with someone and they'll say, hey, how's such and such thing going for you? And by the time you get done talking with them, you're all mad and fired up and you're ready to go punch that person on the lights out all over again, wishing you had never talked to them. I don't want this message to be like that. But I want to delve into some things that are going to make us think because it first had to hit me about some things that I have dealt with and some things I'm still dealing with. So the title of this message is Grief, Guilt, and gladness. Now we're leading up to Pentecost. So the main part I want you to get out of this is we're leading up to what the Holy Spirit is doing for us in our lives now. So we're going to talk about grief, guilt, and gladness. Our primary text is coming from the book of John chapter 14 verse 26. And Jesus said, but the comforter, and I'm taking this from the King James Version, he says, but the comforter, which is the Holy Ghost or the Holy Spirit, whom the father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance whatsoever I have said unto you. The comforter. What do we think of when we think of comforter? Do we think of that nice com comfy or that nice warm blanket? Do we think of our parents who during a thunderstorm would grab us and say, hey, it's, it's going to be all right. Don't be scared. Don't be scared. Or when that dog is barking and chasing after us, they're saying, hey, it's all right. He's not going to bite you. But the comforter is the Holy Spirit, and he was destined from God to come and take the place of Jesus along the side 
the disciples who would go and preach the word of God in the kingdom. And even for us today, the Holy Spirit dwells within us and he's here with us all the time. Sometimes I think and like I said, this message really, really hit me hard. It really and and next time I, I speak, whenever that might be, you know, we can get up as pastors and, and preachers and ministers and say, you know something, this message is, is, is so much harder than the one I preached last week. And we can always say this, but this message is, is more unique because even now as I'm talking, uh, it's a, a wealth of emotions that are building up because I'm thinking about my life experiences. But sometimes I sit and I think, what happened? What, ha- what happened? It, it seemed like just yesterday, mom and dad were packing up the station wagon and we were headed down to City Beach. Or on Saturday nights, we would, my mom would get a bucket of KFC chicken because you weren't going to the concession stand and we would go to the drive-in movie theater. Or you were going and hanging out with friends and just cruising down the road and just listening to music on the radio. Or you were getting ready for prom. All of the great things in that used to do that brought you so much joy and happiness. What happened? Life and time. Life and time. We can't get away from it. Life and time happen and, and we can't get away from it. And as long as you live, you will experience some type of loss that's going to affect you in a way that you don't want to experience. One huge mistake that so many people make, and especially, I won't say especially, but even believers, is that we don't deal with our emotions. Emotions come from God, but we don't want to deal with them. We think that if we show emotions, then we're weak. We're weak if we show emotions. If you're in the grocery store and something hits you, and you cry, it doesn't make you weak. It shows you're human. Oh, I, I can't cry. I can't cry. Why? Are you trying to be strong for someone else? Are you putting up a front? The shortest verse in the Bible, John eleven thirty three, says what? Jesus wept. Jesus wept. So are we greater than Jesus that we can't cry? We have to learn to show emotions. In moderation, because the Bible does tell us be angry, for example, but sin not. It's nothing wrong with showing emotions. Emotions come from God. And I'm, I'm kind of working on this, but what do you think sets us apart from animals? The obvious, right? Animals can't talk, but we can. A lot of animals walk on four legs. We walk on two. Chickens, you know, they walk on two legs and snakes crawl on the ground. But animals have certain abilities that we as humans don't have. It is said and it has been studied and noted that some animals can detect earthquakes hours, if not even days before they even occur. Snakes, rats. Weasels, fish, birds, all have been known 
to be able to sense great disasters before they even occur. In 2004, there was an, a tsunami in Indonesia, and they say days before this happened, they said elephants began to migrate towards the high ground. Flamingos, which normally make their nests in low-lying areas, began to fly away, and dogs would not even go outside. They said that there were herds of buffalo that were out in fields, and suddenly they began to put their ears up and started to stampede towards high ground. But God gave animals instinct. He gave mankind intellect. He gave us the ability to interact with one another and most of all to interact with him and ask, Lord, what do you want us to know? Even in Amos, God says, I won't do anything without telling the prophets first. I believe that's Amos uh, 3 and 7, but you all can look that up. But God gives us the ability if we would seek him. He will tell us these things. And that doesn't mean that these sorrows in life won't happen. But God will prepare us. God will prepare us for certain things that are going to come as we draw closer to him. Now, I have a question for you, a true and false question. Time heals all wounds. True or false? False. I hear a false. Anybody else? Nobody else? Okay. We'll go with false. Imagine you're on an excursion in the Amazon jungle. You lose your footing and you fall down a ravine and you break your leg. Well, just lay there because time heals all wounds. Just lay there long enough. Yeah, the ants are biting you. The monkeys are laughing at you. But time will heal all wounds. But no, it won't. If we, th we think that if we just ignore certain things, that over time we'll get over them. That is not true. Some things will heal over time, but will they heal properly? We need counseling for our minds and the things that we think about. If we break bones, we need to have those bones reset and put in casts. When our hearts are hurting, we need the word of God that cleanses us and changes our intellect and our way of thinking. So let's look at the Trinity, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit in what they have done and what they're doing. God in the beginning reached out to man. Jesus, when he came on the earth, he revealed God to man because people didn't really understand God. And now that Jesus has gone to sit at the right hand of the Father to make intercession for us, the Holy Spirit reminds us of who God is and reminds us, as I said before, as the scripture said, he will bring to our remembrance all things whatsoever the word of God has told us. God reached. Jesus revealed, and the Holy Spirit reminds. And again, take a picture of it. If you don't want to write it down, take a picture of that. So what does that look like? In Scripture, 
Genesis chapter 1, verse 26. And God said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness and let them have dominion over the sea, over the birds of the air, over the cattle, over all the earth and every creeping thing that creeps over the earth. Verse 27, and God created man in his image and God and in the and in the image of God, he created him male and female. I'll stop right there. So God reached out to man by how he created man. God didn't want a relationship with the other animals. God even went on to say that when after he created Adam, he said, it's not good that man should be alone. So he created other animals. But then he was like, yeah, this ain't working. So he created Eve. So what about Jesus and his role to reveal John 20, excuse me, John chapter eight, verse 42. And Jesus said unto them, if God were your father, you would love me. For I proceeded forth and came from God. Nor have I come for myself, but he sent me. So he's revealing what the father has to say to the people because the people didn't know who God was. Even the children of Israel at times would say, Moses, no, we don't want to talk to God because if we even get close to him, he's going to kill us. And then the Holy Spirit, John chapter 16, beginning at verse 13. And all of these scriptures, excuse me, are reading in the New King James. And at verse 13, it says, however, when he, the Holy Spirit, has come, he will guide you in all truths. For he will not speak of his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak and he will tell you of things to come. He will glorify me for he will take what is mine and declare it to you. Remember, he will bring back to your remembrance whatsoever. When we lose our car keys, what do we do? Where did I leave my keys? Where did I leave my keys? Pray and say, Lord, can you help me find my keys? Amen. He will bring to your remembrance whatsoever things I have said unto you, including and especially his word. So let's talk about the first one. Again, we're talking about grief, guilt, and gladness. First of all, let's talk about grief. What is grief? Grief is... Can I get the definition, please? All right. Thank you. Thank God for our audiovisual team. It's deep sorrow, especially that's caused by someone's death, especially, not always, but especially. Most of us, if not all of us, at some point have been touched by the loss of a loved one. But it also comes in other forms. It can come by way of estrangement, which means being distanced from something or someone, financial or worldly loss. Um, you could lose a car. You could lose, you know, a whole bunch of clothes or whatever the case may be. Illness, injury. You could have very bad health. All of these things can bring about grief. Institutional loss, such as bankruptcy, relinquishment. Your childhood home that you grew up on, grew up in, it's like 
sorry your mom and dad lost their jobs or whatever, whatever the case may be, but we've got to sell the house. These things bring about grief in our lives. And these things are real. Like I said before, what happened? What happened? We can't get mad at our parents because they had to sell the job. It's the plant that shut down and dad lost his job. People aren't coming to mom, mom and pop restaurants anymore. They want to go to the big places. So mom's lost her job as a rest, as a as a waitress. And these things bring about grief. I hope you all understand what I'm saying. OK, and again, it's not that this hasn't touched my life. The thing about grief is it's not always physical. Some things, oh, excuse me, grief can be manifested. Let me first of all say grief can be manifested physically. Extreme fatigue, nausea, food aversions or lack of appetite, exhaustion, your sleep cycles, even not even want to be bothered with the sun. You can't even go outside because the sun is so bright. Grief left untreated can even lead to depression. This is the world we live in. And prolonged grief can lead to stress. A professor once asked his students how much, and he holds up a clear glass full of water, and he says, he asked them one by one, how much does this glass weigh? One student says eight ounces, another one 12, one even said 16. And he says, this glass weighs a different amount, depends on how long you hold it. He says, if I only hold this glass long enough to drink from it, it weighs nothing at all. But if I hold this glass for an hour, he says, my arm begins to tire and I begin to get weary. Much like stress, the longer you hold on to it, the more it hurts you. And stress is a whole nother topic, a whole nother issue I don't want to get into, but it comes from not dealing with grief. I was in a, um, on the road the other day, and I was stopped at a, a rest stop, and I was, uh, used the restroom, and I was washing my hands, and the Holy Spirit gave me this, we deal gr with grief like washing our hands in a public bathroom. I hope you all get this, and I hope you remember it. We'll go up, and our, we wash our hands, and when we get done, we'll grab paper towels. And then we go like this, and then we throw the paper towel away. And our hands are still wet. And then we grab more paper towels, and we do like this. When we should be just... We realize, and I realize, if you take one or two paper towels and take the time and slowly dry our hands, we'll get them all dry, and it'll be thorough, and our hands will be clean, and our hands will be sanitized. But we want to get through grief and throw it away. Just get it over with. I want to get over with. I don't want to deal with this process. And throw it away. The other one is we want to go into the bathrooms and we want to use the blow dryers. I don't want to work for this. I want to just put my hands on the head and let it be done. Just get my hands dry. Just get my hands dry. I don't care. I want to get over this real quick. Just get my hands dry. But we don't realize that the air that comes out of those blow dryers is not sanitized. 
If the bathrooms are dirty, it's only circulating dirty air to include staff or fecal matter. So one way or the other, we need to take the time, and I know myself personally, I'd rather use paper towels because when it comes time, I don't want to air dry my hands and then have to grab a doorknob. I like having paper towels. So we grief is a process. And me personally, take the time, grab a few paper towels, and slowly dry my hands and do what I have to do. And then use those paper towels to grab that doorknob and get out of the bathroom. It's a process. When we go through grief, we have to actually say, Lord, I want you to dig in me, dig in me, and get all of this out of me. Because it's like sitting in a doctor's office or, or going into surgery, and the doctor says, you know, you come out of, out of uh, anesthesia, and he says, all right, well, the procedure's over with, we're done. But, um, well, doctor, did you get all the infection out? Well, yeah, I got most of it out. But I've got a 1 o'clock appointment, and I haven't had lunch yet. Can you reschedule? How, do you <laughs> how would you feel about that? It's like, no, you had me under. Why didn't you get it all out? But we want quick fixes to all of our problems. And God's saying, no, take time to grieve. Go through the situation. Romans chapter 5, verse 3. And this is where the Holy Spirit comes to our aid. Romans chapter 5, verse 3 says, and not only that, but we also glory in tribulation, knowing that tribulation produces perseverance and perseverance character and character hope and hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts how by the Holy Spirit who has been given unto us we've got to go through we live long enough we're going to go through guilt what is guilt guilt is a feeling of having done wrong or failed in an obligation guilt. Pastor Wendy and I, you know, yesterday we were driving around having a good time, and, and we even reflected. It's been two years since our time of separation, two years that we've been back together. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And I would be lying if I didn't say that the guilt doesn't come back. I would be lying. Am I saying that I don't believe the word of God and that the Holy Spirit is not working in my life? I know. But a thief comes to kill, steal, and destroy. And if the enemy wasn't attacking me, he wouldn't be doing his job. Oftentimes, guilt comes because of the decisions that we personally make. We individually make decisions that create our own guilt. On the other hand, please do not take this personally. But statistics prove that one in four women will experience postpartum depression in America, also known as the baby blues. Feeling of mood swings, crying spells, negativity, and 
uh, anxiousness, exhaustion, or even extreme guilt. But even as men, we do stupid things. I ain't going to say dumb, stupid things. Dumb is not knowing. Stupid is knowing and doing it anyway. We should feel guilty when we do sinful things and understand the brevity of its pleasure. We're adults. Yeah, it felt good spending the night over so-and-so's house. The pleasure was all there. But then the next day we're like, what in the world did I do that for? It felt good driving down the highway at 90 miles an hour until you saw those blue lights. <laughs> it felt good going to the buffet until your stomach was so bloated and you're like, oh, my goodness. Why did I eat all of that food? Our bodies are a temple of the Holy Spirit, and he dwells within us. Romans 6 and 21 says, what fruit did you have then in the things of which you are now ashamed? What did we gain? For the end of those things is death. But it's when we don't stop and take account for the things that we've done. That's when we really get ourselves in trouble. When we think, well, it's okay to do this. It's okay to do this. Pastor Winnie and I joke all the time about stuff we're going to do while we're on vacation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're out of town. Let's go to the liquor store. <laughs> I mean, honestly, we joke about that. And this is, look, if you drink, you drink. You do you. Because guess what? I don't have to answer to God for you. And you don't answer to God for me. What you do is between you and God. Because guess what? Robert ain't got no heaven or hell to put you in. Yeah, it's a joke. <laughs> Let me make, we say that. But the moment I take a sip, the moment I take a sip, someone's going to come to me and say, man, I've been through this. I've been through, man, I need somebody to pray for me. And it's like, well, I can't pray for you because I'm drunk. <laughs> it's going to happen. I promise you it's going to happen. We get ourselves in situations. And how can you tell somebody, man, you need to lay them cigarettes down? I'm telling you, man, they bad for you. They're going to kill you. Put, let me put, I'm telling you, man, and they so, they, how much they cost a pack now? Man, throw them cigarettes. You can't tell somebody they need to quit something and you doing it yourself. But let me say this. How long we make, how long we remain in a particular state often depends on how we view ourselves for example if I look at myself and I'll use me if I look at man I, I failed at this I did this wrong I lied this person I lost this job I quit this job I lost this money man I, don't, I ain't done nothing right I'm identifying with the flesh that I dwell in but if I think Man, God saved me. Man, I pray to God every day. Man, I love listening to the scripture. Man, the joy of the Lord is my I'm dealing with this. I identify with the spirit man in me. And that keeps me away from that guilt mentality. 
if we continue to focus on our failures, we focus with the f- we identify with the flesh. It's not saying we're not flesh and blood, but we've got to learn to focus on the good part. Along with guilt, guilt has a cousin named shame. It's one thing to be guilty about something, but shame is not wanting to talk and to tell or to reveal about guilt. When you carry something, it's like, I can't talk about it. I can't talk about it. And I'm telling you, there's some things that I have, some things that I know I've done that I can't talk about. Uh, Jesus knows, and I've talked to Jesus about them. But in open sessions, you don't want to share them with anybody. But when they burden us and carry us, or should I say they they weigh us down, then we've got to learn how to control. Don't let shame into your house. Guilt is one thing, but don't let shame come in your house. Who that? Shame. Shame what you want. And shame will try to put his foot in the door and you close it. I'll tell you what. You better open that door and slam it again and make shame draw back. Do not let shame. Guilt caused Peter to weep bitterly. Guilt caused Judas to hang himself. It's all a matter how you process and deal with it. But what did the Holy Spirit do about this? John chapter 21, verse 7. And I think this is, this is so beautiful. This is so beautiful. Think about what Peter did. And think about what Judas did. Even after um, um, when Jesus asked, who do men say that I am? And Peter said, thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. He said, flesh and blood hadn't revealed this to you. And Jesus said, well, you know something? I know he didn't reveal that to you, but let me reveal something to you. I'm going to die eventually. I'm not going to be with you. And Peter said, oh, Lord, it ain't going to be. And he said, Satan, <laughs> get from behind me. Peter said, but, uh, but I'll never leave you. I'll always be with you. I'll always be with you. And he said, before the cock crows, you're going to deny me three times. And so he wept bitterly. He even cursed at people who said, oh, you look like Jesus. Weren't you with him? But in, let me get, uh, I don't went off on a tangent. John chapter 21, verse 7. This is after the resurrection of Jesus. He says, therefore, that disciple whom Jesus loved, which is John, loved, said to Peter, it is the Lord. Now, when Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on his outer garment, for he had removed it and plunged into the sea. They were out fishing. Verse 8. But the other disciples came in the boat, For it was not far from land, for about 200 uh, cubits, dragging the net with fish. Then, as soon as they had come to the land, they saw a fire with coals there and fish laid on it and bread. Jesus said to them, bring some fish which you have caught. Verse 11, Simon Peter went up and dragged the net to the land full of large fish 153, and although there were so many, the net was not broken. Jesus said to them, come have breakfast. Come and eat breakfast. Yet not one of the disciples dared ask, 
who you are. And Jesus, verse 13, then came and took the bread and gave it to them and likewise the fish. Now, all 12 of his disciples forsook him. And what did Jesus do in return? He said, come on, y'all, let's have breakfast on the beach. Y'all turned your back on me when you could have stood by me. But Jesus said, no, let's have breakfast on the beach. I don't care what we feel guilty about. Jesus is saying, come on, let's have breakfast on the beach. Let's break bread. What are you feeling so guilty about? I lied about this on my job. Okay. Tell the truth. Come clean. Whatever it is, it's not so bad. What can be worse than me dying on the cross? But let's be glad. Let's talk about gladness. Let us talk about gladness. In Romans chapter 7, and I'm not going to go to any particular verse, well, let's talk about what is gladness. Gladness is a feeling or state of being, of well-being or contentment. A feeling or state of well-being and contentment. Again, I'm not going to any particular passage in um, Romans, but in Romans chapter 7, Paul talks about the thing that I would do, I'm not doing it. And the things that I don't want to do, that's what I find myself doing. Anybody ever feel that way? Excuse me. He even goes on to say, oh, wretched man that I am. How, how can God love me? I, I'm, I'm doing everything. I keep saying, Lord, I'm not going to do it. Lord, if I ever do this again, Lord, you, you, know, you can just strike me down and we do it again. We do it again. What are we here for? What are we doing? Are we chasing the American dream? What are we trying to achieve? The one thing that many of us need to do is we need to change. We need to change. Now, what, is, what does change mean to you? I don't have a definition, but just ponder in your mind, what does change mean to you? For some people, change means to repent. Anybody ever used that word before? Repent? Anybody ever heard that word before? Say, I need to repent. I need to repent. But what does repent mean? Let's look at Exodus chapter 32, verse 14. Now, the children of Israel had done all types of evil. It says, and the Lord repented. That means to change his mind from the harm that he would do to his people. Repent does not mean turn from sin. Repent means to change your mind. There are three different words for repent. One version uses relent and some versions use repent. There's three different words, two in the Hebrew, one in the Greek. I'm not going to go into that. But they basically mean to change your mind. The, the scripture says God repented. So if we think that repent means to turn from sin, that means God sinned. And we know that God can't sin. But Moses went before God and said, God, do not destroy the people. 
And God said, no, because you have petitioned me, I will not destroy the people. So God changed his mind. So we, if God can change his mind, we need to change ours. We need to change our mind. First Timothy 6 and 6 says, and remember my def- the definition says, a feeling or state of well-being and contentment. First Timothy 6 and 6 says, now godliness with contentment is great gain. I just need, I just need one more pair of shoes. I need one more pair of shoes. I got one outfit and three pair of shoes. I need four pair of shoes. I need, I don't know how many baseball. When I was in the Army, I couldn't stand wearing hats. Now I got more hats than I know what to do with. And I end up wearing the same hat all the time. And I love hats. I really do. But we always feel like we have to get the next thing. Philippians 4 and 11. Not that I need, not that I speak in regard to need, for I have learned that whatever state I'm in, therewith to be content. It doesn't mean that you don't want more. It doesn't mean it's wrong to want better. To say, okay, I have, you know, my bachelor's degree. I'm going for my Ph.D. You know, I have a high school education. I'm going for associates. You know, I have this size house. I want a bigger. It's nothing wrong. You know, if you want to extend your wardrobe, it is nothing wrong with it. But if, you know, (laughs) we see kids fall out on the floor in Walmart because they can't have things. And really, that's how we do with God sometimes. We have temper tangents because we can't get what we want. We act a fool in front of our friends. And God's saying, but if you can't get that, is that going to ruin your day? Because sometimes I think in my mind, I'm like, why am I in such a funk? Can I say that word on air? I'm in a bad, <laughs> I'm in a bad mood all of a sudden. And then I realize why. It's like because this small little thing happens. This one small little thing happened. I realize, but be content. Think of all the good things that f- that's happened in my day. And I'm going to let this little small thing Throw my entire day off? I'm going to read this, 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 these last two verses. John 16 and 33. Jesus said, these things I have spoken to you that, y- that in me you may have peace. In the world you will, you will have tribulations. But be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. And then finally, oh, and let me say this. Pastor, I I joke Pastor Wendy because she'll say, you know something? I was driving down the street, and you know that bush over there on the road? I was driving by that bush, and you know something? The Lord spoke to me, and I'm like, why would you have to tell me where you were when you did this? (laughs) She got to tell me everywhere where she was. My right foot was in front of my left foot. And, you know, the Lord spoke to me. I'm like, why'd you have to tell me? But anyway, I was cutting grass the other day. And as I was pushing the lawnmower, the Lord spoke to me, and he said this. He said, within you dwells the power to solve every problem and answer every situation. 
And I want, I don't, we don't do this, but I want everyone to make this statement with me. Let's read this aloud. Within me dwells the power to solve every problem and answer every question according to the power that works in me. If the Spirit of God dwells in you and he dwells within every one of his children, there is the ability, the power to solve every problem in the world. I'm not saying it's going to be a simple solution, but the power and the ability is in you. According to the power that works in me, and that's according to Ephesians 3 and 20. Now unto him that is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we could ever ask or think according to the power that works in us. According to the power that works in us. That is something to be glad about on today. Again, I didn't want anybody to feel beat down talking about grief, upset talking about guilt. But understand the Holy Spirit is here in our times to talk to us that we will be glad. Everyone has something to rejoice about. Everyone has something to rejoice about. If you are watching on social media, you got electricity. Your phone is working. Your computer is working. If you're in this building, God gave you the means to walk, to drive, to get here. You've got activity of your limbs. We have so much more. Chances are, if you're sitting in this room right now, and if you're watching us on live stream, you are part of the 1% of the richest people in the world. The richest people in the world. You may not have the money that Elon Musk has to buy Twitter, or Warren Buffett, that you own Brookshire Hathaway. But there are people in this world who have, <coughs> excuse me, no idea where their next meal is coming from. And chances are, if you drove here, you saw or passed a handful of people standing on the corner who were asking for something from you. We have so much to be grateful for. Be glad. Be so very glad. So on today, <coughs> excuse me, we talked about these and we want you to be glad. We want you to rejoice and understand. <coughs> like I said, if you live long enough, you're going to experience grief. You're going to experience guilt. But no, like Jesus said, he said, in the world, you're going to have tribulations. Oh, excuse me, he's going to, he said, these things I have spoken to you, that in me, you're going to have peace. Thank you. And in the world, you're going to have tribulations. You live long enough, you're going to have tribulations but be of good cheer be of good cheer 
The psalmist says, weeping may endure for a night. When's morning? Tomorrow may not be your tomorrow. May, excuse me, it may not be your morning. But it says joy comes in the morning. Your morning may not come until August. It may not come until 2025. But joy comes in the morning. I pray. I, w- I went longer than I thought I would. But I pray that, s- that you all got something out of this. Amen. To my sister whose testimony this morning was God delivered her from fear on this week. So for you, those of you who are watching on social media, we want to pray for you before we go off the air. And just pray this prayer with us. If you don't know the Lord Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior, we want to pray with you and receive him right where you are. You don't have to get on your knees. If you do, that's great. But you can be sitting, you can be driving, you can be standing. But just pray this prayer with us. Say, Heavenly Father, I want you now to come into my life. I know that Jesus died on the cross for my sins. Come to me right now. Come into my heart. Receive me as your child. Live in me and dwell in my heart. Thank you, Lord. Forgive me of my sins and cleanse me from all of my past. In Jesus' name, amen. We thank you. If you pray that prayer, the Bible declares, if you confess the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you are saved. It doesn't take any more than that. Just simply believing and confessing. So we thank you for joining us. And again, if you want to connect with us, text OA Connect, just those words, OA Connect to 55498. And we just want to hear from you and just say you enjoyed the program or we can we want to pray with you. Thank you. And on behalf of Pastor Wendy, I'm Pastor Robert. You have enjoyed Open Altar Worship Center. We look forward to hearing from you and you viewing our program again. Thank you. Have a blessed week. As Mother Parson used to say, (laughs) you and Jesus did all right.